of the Champagne Comedy Podcast, where we like to talk about the best Australian comedy show from the 90s ever made, The Late Show and other degeneration comedy tidbits. My name is Matt, and joining this podcast today is Alison, Daniel, Kim, Prue and Tony. Hi. Hi. Woo! Woo! All right. Cool. <laughs> oh, oh so, someone's been watching the intro to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> And we have feedback from regular Jeff. He would like to say that in regards to the previous episode, you know how Stephen, listener from the US, was explaining how uh, Rob Sitch was talking about how champagne comedy came all about, really? Well, apparently Rob was on a, another podcast. This is Rob Sitch. He was on a podcast that they came to play, which is a sports podcast hosted by Limo and Danny McGinley. And this is pretty much what he said. It's one of those things that um, started out completely opposite to the way it's interpreted now. <clears throat> we were doing a show called The Late Show on the ABC and Tom Gleisner used to do a news desk with some stories and he'd often go out and record something silly and and he, during the week, he, he, he had this idea of what if the stump, someone took the stumps out of a cricket match but took the stump camera one instead of the stump and they filmed inside the now look it's in the side of the dressing room now it sounds funny the way it was executed wasn't and, <laughs> and i said to tom mate i don't think we can show that and this was on saturday he goes well it's saturday i wish we were going live to air in a few hours and i go i know we'll just well he said then i've got nothing for it and i go but seriously it's it's not up to it and he goes oh i've got i got nothing else and I was aghast and I said to him, okay, you show up, but I want to write a reply. <laughs> <laughs> so I, it was to cover up the fact that it was not good. Oh, yeah. So I went into the um, the wardrobe and said, can I have a tuxedo and a bow tie and can you just get me some cheap spumante and a glass of – and so Tom did the sketch not knowing I was going to come on and I came on, Tom, sorry to interrupt you. But every now and again, a piece of comedy rises to a level that is, and I said, truly champagne comedy. And then Tony Martin put that photo of me with the champagne glass on the cover of the best bits or something called the champagne comedy edition. And so (laughs) it was actually a complete cover-up of a shit sketch that we did. (laughs) Uh, <laughs> the birth of champagne comedy. Yeah, oh, it was. It was. It was. You know, it was genuinely because out of embarrassment. <laughs> great, great concept though. This, yeah, it's, it it's funny the way people people use it now, and they, and it's sort of the <laughs> the irony slowly drifted away from it. So there you go. There's a second backup of how the <laughs> title champagne comedy came about. If he does explain that more, one day we'll get him on here. To explain it as well, just to you yes. know, definitely confirm it. <laughs> so thank you, Jeff. Please come on the show. Yeah, come on. And also a big shout out to Jeff's son Tim, who also listens to the podcast. So good day, Tim. 
Also, Leonard decided to reach out about a someone who starred in season two, episode five, uh, in the Lou Interleague sketch. Interleague, yeah. Interleague, yes. The person who played this. She makes me feel really good about being a dumb slut. <laughs> so, Daniel, uh, when you read the credits, it's actually, yeah, Fernanda Ramos or Ramos or Ramos. Uh, who appeared in the credits. Uh, she was the Vox Pop, and uh, she also did a few other things as well, in, including popping up on a Paradise Beach sketch with uh, Mick and Jace as one of the bikini-clad girls. Uh, she went on to become oh. a model and uh, appeared in the infamous Gainesville ads that did around in the late 90s in Melbourne. So, um, Why are so, they infamous? <laughs> no idea. This is his wording. So Okay. You know? I, I tried desperately to try and find uh, these ads on YouTube um, and I couldn't find any from that era. There was one from like the mid-noughties, but um, yeah, it's a, fur- it's a furniture store for those wondering. Ah, okay. Like it's, so, it's so infamous that I didn't know about it at the time. Although, mind you, I was in Adelaide, so. I think they were slightly infamous because they were mostly just sexy ladies lounging on this furniture. It was very sort of... There wasn't anything else to their sales pitch. Uh, okay. <laughs> Pretty much as they do in every furniture store now, except yeah. Ikea. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Leonard still goes to say, I had friends that knew her and for some reason I thought she was a personal trainer or something like that. I also thought she appeared in something similar to Gladiators uh, and he said that he checked and it wasn't, uh, but something along those lines. Anyway, my memory is very sketchy, but it was definitely her in those Gainesville ads. Good eye. Yes. <laughs> Our two competitions. We've got another entry to win the uh, sticker and pin. <laughs> and funny enough, Woo! that was actually Jeff. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> uh, who photoshopped uh, a bottle uh, and a glass in his hand of uh, him wearing a Late Show T-shirt. So, um, yep, come and get your entries in. Simply, if you do that, you could win an exclusive pin and sticker set from the Dinkum Company. Um, you're running out of time, so I believe that we draw it on episode 28, I think, or at the end of October. So hop to it. Uh, the competition details are on uh, the Champagne Comedy website. And one more, if you also want to enter the Champagne Comedy Chances box set DVD. Ooh, it's, so sh- it's so shiny and round. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, now, uh, the Chances box set. All you need to do is explain uh, or come up with an answer where you, you think you should see Jeremy Simpson's ass. So... <laughs> That box set's thanks to Vi Vision Entertainment. And we've got two entries. Mark says that it should be in an ad for the Palmer United Palmy. Uh, Palmer United Party. I wouldn't want to eat a Clive Palmer <laughs> Palmy. <laughs> It'd be huge. <laughs> and Jason says that it should be on Kate Lambrook's face because she was also in Chances. <laughs> that at least uh, deserves a. Yeah, it's a, it's an astounding. Stephen, don't don't think about it too long. Yeah. So if you want to win that same deal, uh, it draws at the end of the month um, of October 2021. So get your entry in. Just go to champagnecompany.com, click on the podcast page, and you'll see the form to fill in. So that's all. Thanks to Vive Vision Entertainment. Uh, Chances Collection One, uh, first 59 episodes. So, yeah, great quality Australian TV right there. 
Now it is time for Daniel's... I've got the paper! <laughs> Program guide. Thanks, Matt. Okay, starting on Channel 7, we've got the Darling Buds of May. Uh, says Ross Warnicky. Uh, it's a repeat of one of the best episodes from last year's first series. It's the one about the tax inspector trying to sort out Pop's wicked ways of conducting business. You all know the one, don't you? Of course. <laughs> and that's followed at 10.40 by The Philadelphia Story, uh, starring Kerry Grant, Jimmy Stewart and uh, Alexi Sale, I think. <laughs> no. No, no, you Catherine mean, Hepburn. Catherine, yeah, we go. As plugged during the last episode. Um, over on Channel 9, uh, the guests for Hey Hey tonight uh, included Kate Sobrano, Tommy Emanuel, Margaret Ehrlich, uh, and uh, ventriloquist David Strassman. Uh, there was also Dean Hutton being all sciencey, and uh, the Boys in Black being sort of like a boy band and a bit sort of Polynesian. I couldn't find much about the Boys in Black, so I don't know who they are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then at 8.30 uh, is the film Kale U.S. Marshall, uh, a below-average John Wayne Weston made in 1973. The Duke plays a marshal who discovers that his two sons are involved in a bank robbery. Says Warnicky, uh, it's dull and preachy. Um, over on channel 10 it's another BL Striker movie Um, I'm not familiar with BL Striker so obviously this is sort of like some series of telemovies a bit like Columbo let's say Um, in tonight's episode Private Eye Striker played by Burt Reynolds goes in search of some terrorist mercenaries Uh, also starring Rita Moreno, Ossie Davis and Neil Patrick Harris uh, now, over on SBS, uh, we're all done with the Francois uh, Truffaut movies. Aww. But we're now on to Italian director Federico Fellini. Ooh. Uh, and it's the movie Eight and a Half. Classic. Amazing. Uh, yeah. Uh, Ross Warnicke says that this is a technically brilliant movie uh, from Fellini, who won an Oscar for Best Foreign Film but the long, often plodding, semi-autobiographical story built around the frustrations of a film director played by uh, Marcello Mastriani, distracted by personal strife, may be hard going for some. (laughs) And that brings us to the ABC. Uh, So the lead-in at 9.30 was Birds of a Feather. In this episode, Tracy wonders if her son is gay. Environmentally, Sharon is green, while Tracy is just blue. And Dorian... She's just a dirty cat. What a lie. I'm going to say every fucking episode. <laughs> it's getting better. It's getting a lot better. I, it, it'll be pitch perfect by, by, the, by the end of season two, I'm sure. Excellent. Um, at 10 o'clock, uh, Ross Warnicky just says that it's uh, the late show is satire and sketch comedy from Melbourne's Jam. And uh, he's put the listing in a box, which means that it's one of his picks for the night. One of many picks, including, um, yeah, uh, what I mentioned on Channel 7. He also listed, oh, Keeping Up Appearances, which is earlier on in the night uh, on the ABC. He's listed that as a pick of the night as well. So make of that what you will. After the late show, we've got hockey. Uh, The Champions Trophy highlights uh, from the matches between Australia versus Pakistan and Australia versus Holland. Then at midnight, the full wax. So ruby wax. Mm. I know nothing about the series, but I'm sure that it's 
you know, Ruby Wax being outrageous as she usually is. Then at 12.30, the ATVI News and at 1am Rage. And that's it. Back to you, Matt. Thank you very much for that, Daniel. And we might as well get straight into it with The Late Show, Season 2, Episode 6, broadcast Saturday, July 10th, 1993. And what a very creative and I guess very high budget opening really uh, because we are transferred into the writer's room with Tommy G asking Judith for a cup of tea. Jane tells Tommy that Judith is not his slave and then after some sass, Jane ends up shooting Tommy <laughs> straight up and then they <laughs> go on the lamb, a la Thelma and Louise and the rest is pretty much history from there. I like the line from Jane where she goes, get off your bum and get it yourself. <laughs> Any thoughts that I had about Jane and Tom being a thing, which, which we all know is not true. I mean, this definitely, this literally kills it off. <laughs> yeah. Well, Tommy yeah. G, I thought, did a really good job of playing a complete asshole in this. Yes. <laughs> all the boys were actually quite funny, like uh, when they were trying to get them to hold on the phone, like, oh, girls, you know, how are you going? We really miss you. Lisha, I really need you. And Jane goes, it's tapped. <laughs> <laughs> there's some pretty great acting in it from um, Judith and Jane. And there's a Michael Hirsch cameo, of course, as the um, oil tanker driver. Did we all spot no, him? No, wasn't not, that not, um, not so, Matt, no, it's Mark, Mark Gibson. Yeah. Oh, it's Mark Gibson, is it? We should, I look like, oh, it's too distant. <laughs> this is quite a lengthy sort of parody of Thelma and Louise. Um a movie I, I haven't seen, so I don't know whether this is faithful to the original source material. Um, I, I suppose anybody's seen the, the, the original movie? I haven't yeah, seen I've it seen while, it. It's... But it's pretty faithful. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they tick most of the boxes. It's, it's yeah, not not every single scene, but, yeah. Well, yeah, essentially the, the premise is that, well, uh, one, one of them says it during the actual parody uh, you know, this is all, uh, is this all happening just like in the movie? It all uh, sort of gets weirder and sort of a, a lot more bigger, yeah, sort of almost culminating in uh, Judith and Jane uh, shooting at, well, what's meant to look like an oil tanker, but uh, I'm pretty sure it must have been some sort of big cardboard construction. Because <laughs> <laughs> what, what follows is a spectacular explosion, courtesy Dr. Aaron Bocaire. Well, you know yeah. what? What I do love is when they actually go into or to buy supplies and stuff. Uh, and I've got a little snippet here when they go into the liquor store. We are going to ride it on the leash. We need a bottle of that. Ooh, give us that time. What what yeah. what makes me think that Judith and Jane wrote that last line? Yeah. <laughs> oh look, for my drinking experience in the early nineties, Wild Turkey had a really strong marketing push. There was a lot of people trying it, but not a lot of people sticking with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It was a sort of um, alcohol that would set up a little stand in a nightclub somewhere and give away free shots until <laughs> everyone said, oh, yeah, wild turkey, nah. <laughs> but today, like, that not wild turkey the drinking choice of John Laws? 
So it's just, it's in his bloodstream. Well, that, that's what he tells us. What he actually drinks at home is another point. Chardonnay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Wild turkey is John Law's idea of a common man's drink, but no common man is out there drinking it. <laughs> Maybe it's Valvoline. Yeah, you know what I mean. But after all the crap that they go through, just when they think they're a about to end things a la Thelma and Louise, their demise was ending up on Hey Dad. Yeah, yeah which is worse. <laughs> a fate worse than death. Yes. And also I love the little um, fact that their characters are Jane and Judith. And then it says underneath, <laughs> Jane Kennedy and Judith Lucy. <laughs> I want to know what their characters are. are. They are they like zany neighbors because uh, Hey Dad had an awful lot of kind of zany or wacky neighbors just mm-hmm. coming in for different episodes, as well as Nudge, of course. Version of um, the, what was it? The twin, like me twin. Oh God, <laughs> yeah, Betty. <laughs> Two Bettys. <laughs> Maybe they're the replacement for Arthur MacArthur, a the aka the little fat kid. <laughs> this is just a, it's a magnificent sort of flight of fancy and sort of uh, I think gets into the uh, the personalities of Jane and Judith uh, as a duo, and it's also quite long. I mean, this thing goes for well over five minutes as well before we even get to see the opening titles. Yeah, it, because of, because of this, and you've got the song at the end. It feels like a really, really short episode because they don't have much room for the regular stuff. Have, do you notice though, because of that, in the last couple of episodes, uh, that a lot of things have been heavily produced sketches, like that. Yeah, a bit more you of can a def- budget. definitely, yeah, definitely pick that up in the second season. Lots more budget, lots more production values. But you know, season one obviously is just all about the content, but visually. It's, yeah, it's very impressive. One of the things I really like about it is um, in the first sort of sequence when Jane's getting hysterical in the car and then accusing Judith of being hysterical, like, calm down, you're hysterical. <laughs> so after the opening titles, we have the opening remarks and Tony and Mika on stage live as buggery. That's where they ended up talking about rejected show names, just like... they they really like to riff on the audience going nuts for them don't they and and there's always a weird little shout out to the camera crew like tony says just before they start properly he says camera three you've outdone yourself and i assume camera three is the one that sort of sweeps across the set yeah i like the way tony goes uh sorry mick just thought he was in frente for a moment there (laughs) Back reference. Yeah. Yeah. Other things they talk about a, a telly movie about David Koresh, Waco 90210. Uh, yeah. All that, all that shit was happening around that time. God damn, mm. that's, that's been a while. And other things talking about new beer label warnings. Yeah. Yes. The, the contents of this bottle may may make you run onto the set of Ernie and Denise wearing only your butt tips and underpants. Yeah. <laughs> Magnificent little revelation there. Um, yeah, as as well as the um, uh, as well as Mick saying that uh, he was clinically dead when he did that. <laughs> <laughs> Mick is quite great in this episode, I think. Actually, the yeah. bit where he does the um, the Glen Ridge impersonating Tony Barber impression, <laughs> uh, <laughs> like Inception impression. <laughs> I was just cracking up. Just the running of the bulls. It's just an, this annual kind of thing that they do. And just the the way that he does the Tony Barber impression, I just couldn't stop. And then what really made it was when Tony 
said, well, basically when Mick said, yeah, you were joining me at rehearsals. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, it was just hilarious. And Tony goes, I made a snap second judgment. (laughs) Mick, Mick, who am I? And then he does his imitation of Tony Barber from Sale of the Century, like this. (laughs) How does that go again? (laughs) In rehearsal, you joined in, Tony. Yeah, yeah. I made an on-the-spot judgment and opted not to. Where's he gone? <laughs> Mick Malloy Tom Fullery is your middle name. I got a stitch. <laughs> and the little way you can hear Tony pissing himself. <laughs> oh yeah. This part which I freaking love is when and they make reference to it in the previous episode about the the wacky woman on um the Visard program. The one that was yelling. Yeah. The lucky in a truck I woman. Remember her. Yeah. Well, so they go and talk about the whole new competition that the Late Show have got with cement in the truck. But before they get into it, this is how live it was. There actually was a blooper. We've got a great new competition. We really think this is going to take off. We're going to cross out live to the suburbs now. Check this out. Have a look. Here we go. You could be the... Oh, there's been a bit of a technical foul up. See, that's probably an indication of the quality of the actual sketch we're about to show you. Yes, that's right. They've just made a decision upstairs. Bugger it, let's run straight through it. I think uh, Frente's actually working in the control room upstairs, and that's why we've got Zadie. <laughs> More Frente ribbing. But then they, they, they get into the sketch proper, and, I mean, it starts off with Santo as this uh, sort of uh, surprise prize winner like put, putting on this this excellent surprise face uh, as he sees that he gets a car and uh, colour TV. Who gets surprised at a colour TV these days? <laughs> Let alone 1993. Do you know, I didn't even notice Santo was the competition winner. Isn't that awful? I was completely distracted by Judith. I mean, Judith is the star of this sketch with that sort of screaming in front of the camera like, <laughs> he's not even a competition winner it just says you can get all this stuff if you go down the shops and buy it (laughs) that's not even good consumer advice (laughs) what was that bit where jason had a clipboard and it was like a a prize list or something, and it yeah. all just sort of said submit the truck, submit the truck. Depending on what, what number came up after she spun the wheel, and they were yeah. all the same prize. You could tell how many times they rehearsed it by the pile yes. of cement. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it is, it is just, it is such a silly premise taken to even sillier conclusions. Well, was, it the, was it the Visard show that had luck in a truck at that time? Yeah, it was yeah. luck in a truck. I don't remember luck in a truck. Does anyone remember right. it at all? No. What happened in it? Yeah, it, it was just like a lotto, but they had balls in a cement truck. So the <laughs> balls went around and then one came out and that was what you won. So it was just, they'd basically seen those little lotto spinner things and thought, why don't we use a cement truck for one of them? Hilarious. So so was it It was big balls, I assume, well, basketballs or something, I guess. Okay, right. But yeah, they drove up to your house with a truck and played lotto out the front. <laughs> so terrible. And did they have a really insane uh, cement truck girl? 
I think they did. I think it, I think if you could find a clip, it's not even a parody. It's just like a straight version, except with cement rather than luck in a truck. <laughs> did did we all notice, of course, the cameo from Tony's grandma, Ethel Woods? <laughs> it appears in, in um, Cement in a Truck doing nothing. She just stands there, but... You know, always nice to see her. <laughs> I just love when they all the hype with the host uh, being Jason, and then it's like, what you know, what is this show or whatever it is, and then the two strangers on the side just go cement in the truck. <laughs> <laughs> Such enthusiasm. Hard to find it, really. <laughs> Surely if the real luck in a truck, cement truck, appeared in your street, the whole street would come out and get really excited for the giant balls, or, or would they not? I don't know. <laughs> the neighbours are probably pissed off about the broadcast van blocking their street. <laughs> and now it's over to the news desk with Tommy, Tommy G. Yeah. Or oh, as as they say there, let's cross to the late Tommy G at the news desk, which mm. they're, not, they're not wrong because it's like almost 12 past 11 by this stage. I see. I thought I thought that was a reference to him being brutally murdered at the opening of the episode. That's yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's what I thought. There we go. Oh, how damn am I that I didn't even notice that? Oh. I just, I just, I just, I took it out. You know, like time's ticking away, boys. Get on with it. <laughs> it it's a, it's a double layered sort of pun type yes. thing. Yes, yeah. It just went right over my head. The only uh, quick little uh, news statement thing which I'm going to point out is the one with the Queen uh, hitting back after the crappy late show news desk jokes about her because they, she's there presenting or pulling a lever for to reveal some type of presentation that was going on at the time. So every time she pulled the lever, the power went down in the studio or on the news desk. So that was uh, something set up for Tommy G later on down the track. Yeah. Other than that, he's talking about um, with the makeshift light, that is because the Queen's power down the news desk, uh, talking about the G7 summit winding up in Tokyo and Clinton puts a whoopee cushion on Italy's chair. <laughs> It really works because they cut back to Bill Clinton kind of giving the nod and going, yeah, good work by me. (laughs) As soon as the lights came on, the back massager that was being promoted on commercial crime stoppers in a previous episode uh, goes on sale in Pakistan with a few misprints in the instructions and with some not-so-pleasant footage (laughs) of of, uh, public whipping themselves, really. Yeah, it's some sort of weird ritual... um... And, yeah, thankfully it's not full frame, but you can see it in the big screen to the side of cut-up backs. Is it, is it like in, in southern Italy where the Catholics whip themselves at a certain time of the year? Is, is it similar to that, maybe, this ritual? I'd say so. Same vibe. Yeah. Yeah. The Premier's Conference in Canberra, all of them appear, including Jeff Kennett, which... Uh, has a bit of groans are uh, because <laughs> he's fresh from the liquor license hearing and they show a footage of a man with a t-shirt covering his head. So everyone <laughs> friggin' love that joke. What what was Jess Kennett's licensing hearing? Yeah, I have no memory of the liquor license hearing, but all I can say is bloody Jeff Kennett. Yeah. <laughs> So with that, um, we've got Royal News and the Queen uh, is part of a security scare with protesters breaking into Buckingham. But the Queen was elsewhere unveiling the Duchess of York's bra, which if we go back to <laughs> that the... was funny. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> and he gets shut down again. Sport, the third cricket test ends in a draw with Merv Hughes injuring his groin. Uh, too much sadness, but England batsman Graham Thorpe uh, cops one in the ghoulies, which has some great... Uh, footage for that one they cross to skipper graham gooch who's actually on this big chunky mobile phone 
who receives a wrong number. Hello, Philip, it's John Blackman. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Which does lead to the letter being handed to Tommy. Dear Tom, each week your recipe of satire, topicality and scathing political commentary bakes a comedy souffle that rises in the late show oven and when delivered <laughs> piping hot each Saturday night, truly becomes champagne comedy. Congratulations. <laughs> yes, I and then the a little the ice bucket cake. kind of comes down, which is quite cool. <laughs> yeah, but I love the way he's just like a ghost voice. Doing yeah. a voiceover and then it's champagne yeah. comedy. <laughs> I, I just love when he scrunches the piece of paper up and then <laughs> Rob's still talking in the background and he yeah. just does this weird expression and then unscrunches it quickly. Yeah. <laughs> Like, to he finish. went too soon with that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> hey, there was one other visual joke right at the beginning of the news desk that I thought was pretty good. And I can't remember what it was. It was like a Japanese prime minister or something. And he was holding this cluster of oh, microphones. And then there was, there was a, a subtitle underneath saying, by 1994, no child shall be without a microphone. Mm. Well, that's true today, isn't it? Every child <laughs> it's true. a microphone. And Australia is close to getting its first saint. So it's Millie McKillop territory in this episode. Uh, but if you want to support uh, McKillop, you just have to fill out a form in the TV week. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And then Mick joins Tommy on the desk for a bit of a rant and claiming that he should be a saint. Yeah, it, it begins with, I just want to know, who do you have to root to become a saint? <laughs> and then it just it goes from there. Yeah. I don't think you can Bloody do better than God's a dud. <laughs> <laughs> God needs a wedgie. <laughs> this is like Mick Malloy's life of Brian. <laughs> Very risque. What was the line he said? He goes, nobbled by that McKillop tart and her sassy ways. <laughs> <laughs> I just liked yeah. when he started off and went, mm, 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 mm. Yes, I do, Tommy. Yes, I do. Well, this was similar to the, the stuff he was writing for. And was it The Truth, where Mick had his column briefly sort mm-hmm. of between seasons one and two? We weren't allowed that paper in our house, no. so I have no idea what he wrote in that. Quality journalism. Um, yeah, he, had a, he had a newspaper column for, I don't know, like six weeks or eight weeks. And he used to, it was just Mick ranting about stuff. So, yeah, sort of, um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm guessing it would have been sort of similar stuff like uh, like in this sketch where he, he claims he's been dudded over for all these prizes. Right. Is, is that right? Yeah, it was, it was that kind of thing. I, there seemed to be a few, I don't know, I used to have a, a bunch of newspaper clippings because it was a common... Thing in Australian media for a while, you'd have your comedy column where someone would just rant about something, and yeah, it felt like it was a probably just a promo thing for the Late Show where he said he'd do it for you know six weeks leading in or something like that. But I remember somebody I know went to the trouble of tracking them down at the the newspaper archives at the Library of Victoria, but I don't, <laughs> I don't actually. He never got past the "I found them" stage to the "Here's what, <laughs> here's what's going on in them" stage. So, well, oh, well if anyone not... out there remembers, let us let us know. Yeah, I'm pretty I'm, sure I'm, I've been tweeted a few of those. That, uh, I'm just grateful that uh, Andrew Bolt is able to carry on that comedy uh, newspaper <laughs> column tradition to this day. 
See, if we, we never got mixed, you know, review of Finding Nemo and how it was a communist plot. <laughs> <laughs> Teaching our kids empathy and to care about others. Evil. <laughs> That's interesting, actually, that, that, that you think the origins of this come from from this newspaper column because, well, Clark and Door is another thing that actually started off as a newspaper column. So, yeah, I guess in, in ye olden days, comedy newspaper columns were, were sort of like a, a testing ground for, you know, yeah. stuff that actually went on TV in the end. Well, I think this kind of thing as well. I mean, um, was it John Belushi that used to do rants on Saturday Night Live, you know, mm. in the 70s? Yeah. So I think there's, you know quite a tradition of going nuts at the news desk but you know i still think it's hard to top god's a dud i mean (laughs) (laughs) i i really like the bit where he's talking about different awards that he's been overlooked for and then like one of them gets chucked at him he says duck and and both he and tommy (laughs) duck and it's perfectly timed it is yeah Yeah. it was hard to tell what was going on so that's what happened like they were throwing an award with his name on it is that sort of yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and then uh, and then it ends with uh mick wanting to uh uh when he finally meets god uh, the first thing he's going to do is give him a huge wedgie (laughs) (laughs) i feel like everything comes back to the wedgie (laughs) and they're basically explaining that you have to have performed a miracle to actually become a satan he's like well i woke up in my own vomit and i lived to tell the tale and then and then Tom's like, well, you've had to have two miracles. Oh, well, I've done it twice. <laughs> well, uh, I can say that Mick did get his uh, wish to give God a wedgie on Martin Malloy. Oh, yes. The it, was a, it was a sketch. I, I think it's on one of the, the three albums um, where, yeah, he gets uh, Tony to shoot him with a shotgun and he gets to meet God and give him a huge wedgie and then come back down and go, sucked in God. <laughs> God, that that's really obscure. I like that. God, the greatest straight man of all. <laughs> <laughs> now it's a commercial, and it's the AMP life insurance ad, and you have Hannah and Pauline. Now, did you notice that Jane as Pauline looked scarily like uh, another Pauline? <laughs> that that was on a show prior. Pauline <laughs> Quirk. No, no, no. Actually, I wasn't referring to that. Oh. But it was just more or less that Pauline. Oh, Hansen. the other Pauline. Oh, right. Yeah, that would have been years ahead of its time. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it yeah. was th- at least three. Except it was a very subtle British accent. It was just a fun time for accents. This whole ad, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Although not not such a fun time for Doctor Aaron Beaucaire as the <laughs> father. <laughs> He insisted on taking out the life insurance. <laughs> the shot of him, like, on fire with his arms akimbo and just smiling at the camera, like... <laughs> um, I, I did also like uh, Judith's, uh, Judith's acting uh, towards the end where she sort of drops the accent and goes, uh, I'm telling you, the day of that industrial explosion was one of the happiest days of my life. Pretty about the other workers. <laughs> I think I missed that at the time. <laughs> Doesn't she say she's got like a week lined up hosting tonight live? Yeah, she does. <laughs> and it's on stage time with Rob, and he explains how Tommy G survived being shot at the start of the show. Tom survived because when the bullet hit him here in his breast pocket, he had a copy of the Late Show video. <laughs> <laughs> with so much on it. and hence the bullet was stopped in its trajectory 
by the lake too. <laughs> <laughs> On the more important matters. <laughs> if it was a DVD, you know, on it. yeah, you wouldn't be able to do that anymore. No, VHS all the way. So then Rob does uh, talk about, uh, well, he sets up the whole, uh, you know, thinking of the standard Japanese restaurant in Australia would be one practical joke by the Japanese. Mm. And yeah, you have a lot to love about this sketch in 2021. I don't no. know about you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, look, they, they use the phrase sucked in, which I always appreciate. <laughs> that, that's about the highlight of the sketch for me. I, actually, I, I quite like the line about the, the piss week chef juggling act, which is, you know, the, using the hot plate and all, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, they're just a bunch of sushis, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think it's really well executed because it's sort of shot like a hidden camera sort of a thing. Mm. Mm. And I mean, really, like, I don't think the joke is on the Japanese. I think the joke is on dumb Westerners, really. Yeah, it just it failed to hit the mark because we now know so much more about the Japanese culture. It was a little bit new and interesting in the '90s, and you know, sushi and chopsticks and whatever it is that the jokes about were foreign to us, and. I think just getting these Japanese couple to sit down with a knife and fork. I mean, we now know so much about Japanese culture. It's like, they would never do that. Like this whole, yeah. the whole premise of the joke is just lost on us now because mm. yum, let's go get some dumplings, <laughs> you know, like yum. Yeah. Um, I did so... ask, uh, I did ask my friend Kaneo, who was my good friend in high school, also a huge late show fan. And I said, do you remember this sketch and were you offended by it? Um, um, being Japanese yourself and she actually doesn't remember <laughs> she said I'm not easily offended so she probably um, wasn't at the time but I think looking back at it now it, it is a little awkward to watch that now um, but hey Barry Manilow and crappy backing tape <laughs> that, was, that was one funny one well that's all on the best bits DVD if you've Decide to get that out, or oh, at least a VHS. Another famous wrong call of the best bits, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised this one made it to best bits, but I don't know. May- maybe it resonated at the time, as as others have said. Yeah, yeah. We still haven't played that product of its time clip lately, have we? <laughs> no, but I can always uh, squeeze it in. You know, it's been a while. All right, I'll, I'll just do it Full for shits, shits and giggles. A product <laughs> of its time. Now we go to a live sketch, and it is the Vatican, Friday the 9th of July, the weekly meeting of the Cardinals. So it's pretty much everyone's in on this, dressed up in, uh, you know, the appropriate attire after Santo doing yo-yo tricks. Yes, <laughs> with the yeah. cereal. Yeah, with the rock, I, I, the rock the cradle. It was an excellent job. <laughs> I've always thought yeah. that about cerebrals, you know, priests waving them around like this, and you think, "Oh, come on, do it, do a yo-yo trick with it." But they never do. Other than that, they were pretty much discussing uh, the letter from Australia claiming sainthood for Mary MacKillop. At least and, it wasn't and... another Shane Warner application. <laughs> <laughs> and and do the gratuitous Catholic jokes fly mm. thick and fast throughout this sketch? It, everything is basically it's one of those list sketches. It lists every single joke you can make about Catholics, and off they go. Yeah, well, there were two in jokes, you know, especially when they, as soon as they say the jokes, uh, that it came up with a warning message just saying gratuitous in joke. But <laughs> mm. I, I'm, religion is not my strength, but one went over my head. This one did. We That's... can't just rub a stamp. 
applications for sainthood. It's oh, just not possible. Oh, really? I didn't hear any complaints when St. Jerome got through that. <laughs> 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 oh, oh, that's it went right over my head too, and I'm Catholic. Well, okay, he's well, one of those dodgy saints that <laughs> fucked everyone, basically. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the other and one. The other one was about eating fish on Fridays. Yeah. Just, uh, the red meat. That one yeah, I got. <laughs> yeah, here we go. I better go out and get lunch, everyone. It's Friday. Uh, quarter pounders all around. Hey. Oh, no. Only kidding. Fill little fish. I do remember being very proud of myself for understanding that joke when I when I first heard it as a teenager. <laughs> and yeah, it's it's at a, it's at about the point where they start doing the Mexican wave again that you realise that yeah, this is pretty much the UN sketch part two. Really. <laughs> yeah. I went, I did wonder if Rob was making up those names he was calling everyone or whether they'd written them down because I think there's there's a Guido. There's, <laughs> <laughs> this is, and and uh, a Monsignor as well. Yeah, Mick, oh, Mick well, was the Monsignor. The there was there was a Guido, and then there was like I don't know Francesco or something. <laughs> All fairly bog standard Catholic titles. <laughs> but there there are some there are one or two sort of funny jokes about Mary MacKillop and her case for sainthood. For example, mm. someone points out that she wrote nonsense. Which, <laughs> um, n- nonsense is a, is a reference that Mick Malloy drops even to this day. Uh, so so he's obviously rather fond of nonsense. But also, she she won the convent footy tipping, tipping competition three times. So so again, you know, definitely should become a saint. And they all seem very impressed by this. Yeah, it's a miracle. <laughs> it's a miracle. It really is. It's just amazing how these ads just stick in your brain after decades. <laughs> yeah. yeah, never going away. <laughs> <laughs> I do love uh, the another gratuitous drop of a uh, product placement. So I know a miracle. Apparently, she managed to find a shop that actually stocked the Late Show video recommended retail. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. It's miraculous. Somehow, cardinal. I feel that's not a miracle. <laughs> well, given you can just go down to your local ABC shop and get it, it's not really that much of a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> I like when they get into the weeds of, of the sketch and they go, okay, so we can't make her a saint, so we have to go down a notch. And then Judith goes, okay, let's whack her on sale of Century Fame Board. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I do love the fact that when they were discussing more, like the, other than the rings and magic tricks, they <laughs> decided oh, to. Oh, yeah. Yeah, good old Santa bringing Santa up the magic rings. was actually wonderful, wasn't it? And bring out that rabbit. It was so <laughs> cute. Yeah. <laughs> but they, they end up consulting like, His Holiness, a la the Thunderbirds. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> they do love Thunderbird jokes, don't they? Yeah. And then eventually uh, they. <laughs> well, they do see the holy vision of McKillop up on the wall, and Santo says that he can see up a dress. Yeah, <laughs> little bit of Marsland inappropriateness. Uh, sorry, that's a get this. That, that's a, I, get, I get this joke there. Uh, and so she's speaking without moving her mouth, thanks to Jane. But other Australians deserve the honour, like Warney. So yeah. Anyway, uh, 
The next sketch uh, is, and this is where the actual teaser came in. I'm thoroughly enjoying myself tonight, I tell you, I really am. I think it's uh, that yep. was actually snippets from Rod Stewart, Unplugged and Seated. So those were little bits in between the songs that actually never made to air. Yeah. So because yeah, this was at the time where Rod Stewart was just dominating the, the charts because Eric Clapton had his successful uh, gig at doing his um, MTV Unplugged. So this was the big thing. This is before Nirvana did it as well. Yeah. Yeah, so this is where it was Rod Stewart, Unplugged and Seated had come out and following a bunch of highly popular MTV Unplugged performances, they decided to do this. Well, here we are unplugged and only partially drunk Showing the world that we can play acoustic too Yeah, I, I, I assume you picked uh, Rod Stewart for the, the teaser because, yeah, the song does sound a bit like Maggie May. Yeah. Mm. Woo! <laughs> the song had only just came out um like the acoustic performance had just came out before that episode so right. yeah it was being played so much same maggie may and have i told you lately that i love you song and did everyone regret their mtv unplugged cd purchases i know i did <laughs> Straight to Captain so Man. which ones did you make I mean, Nirvana, that, this was months before Nirvana did theirs. I think that was in November of that year, and then it came out about a year later on CD. Yeah. But, yeah, what did you buy, I Paul McCartney, or maybe that was a video one, but oh, there were so many. It was just a big trend at the time to go unplugged, and now no one wants to hear that. <laughs> no, well, they're, they're, still, they're still doing, MTV is still doing unplugged sort of occasionally like specials. Like if, even in, in Australia there's been... Uh, you know, artists like Gang of Youths and Tash Sultana and uh, MTV played a whole bunch of them last month for the 40th anniversary of the US channel. So it's still a thing. Yeah. Mm. Mariah Carey did one in 92. Uh, same with Eric Clapton. Um, and, yeah, Rod Stewart did it in 93. Midnight Oil did one as well. Yeah, that got... Uh, I think that's... Uh, I can't find it in my Green Guide thing, but I'm pretty sure that gets played out on Channel 7 with a simulcast on 105.1 Triple M. Simulcast. How 90s. But, yeah, I mean, the, 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 the main point they make is that, uh, yeah, everything gets punctuated by idiots in the audience whooping. <laughs> Although I, I couldn't concentrate on that because I was distracted by Tony Jason and Tom wearing such horrific wigs mm. in that. Uh, oh piece. God, uh, Prue! So like Tony was problems. not. Prue, Tony was not wearing glasses in this particular. Sketch. Oh yeah, that was really <laughs> Unfortunately, it was offset by the piteous wig. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, did that cancel it out? <laughs> it looks like it did. It was like a fright wig. <laughs> <laughs> Couch time and Tommy G is, is talking about celebrities sponsoring third world children. God, this do you think he's referring to it becoming a bit of a trendsetter? It was advertised quite heavily at the time, yeah. the World Vision child sponsorship. So that's that's what the reference is, I think. But but also there were a lot of celebrities who would appear in the ads for World Vision, weren't there? Yeah. It's basically just a Steve Weizard joke. I think it's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, it's, it sort of help, helps to offset the other joke, which is pretty dodgy about uh, Tom falling behind in the payments and receiving a photo of, of his sponsored child with a gun pointed at it saying, your payment is overdue. 
Yeah, it was a tad wrong, wasn't it? So they sort of cancel each other out, the two. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you could hear the audience just cringe when that happened. Mm. <laughs> Probably from white guilt because they all had sponsored chop. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it, it, we haven't had this for the last two weeks. Guess who's back? Charlie, we love you. Charlie the Wonder Dog, episode four, rescue on Mount Variable Weather. That's the funniest joke from the episode, I reckon. Mount Variable Weather. <laughs> it, it's it's not one of the best Charlies, this one, I would say. Yeah, because it all comes down to the stupidity of the hikers. Yeah. And that making the piss weak kids and Gramps be more intelligent than they actually are. <laughs> No offense, Justin. When I saw this episode, though, back, you know, in 93, I was like, oh, wow. You you know when you have that moment like, oh, this is really familiar? Like it was always in those kids' shows that some hiker would ignore the locals' advice and go, we're doing it anyway, and then get stuck and need rescuing (laughs) and, and then, you know, go, oh, you were right all along. You know, it was just such a trope. Like I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, hence all of the references to simulated acting and simulated sedimentary rocks to the extent of that even being simulated. Speaking of which... Oh, look, this is an excellent example of a sedimentary rock. This will be excellent for our geography project. What is it, Charlie? It's as if he's sensed some sort of change in the weather. Come on, we'd better get home. I love that sound effect. Yeah, I love that pronounces sediment 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 one more time oh look this is an excellent example of a sedimentary rock (laughs) (laughs) I wonder how many takes that took (laughs) probably just one one (laughs) One take just one (laughs) one to get it wrong and that's it (laughs) I think I I think what makes uh, this episode of Charlie uh, for me is the uh Cameo by ABC weatherman Edwin Ma. Yeah, and his what a lovely pointer. guy. Yeah. Yeah. Canberra is going to have a very hot 33 degrees and Sydney quite warm with 27. However, a storm warning has been issued for Mount Variable weather. So let's hope all inexperienced hikers heed the advice of locals and stay well clear. <laughs> Speaking of, speaking of weird weather, you know, basically all of this seems to have been shot in really lovely sunny weather. And then, then they say, oh, you know, there's a big storm coming. And then they'll cut to like some stock footage of a storm or something. And then they'll cut, <laughs> and they'll cut back to just fine weather, a really nice day, you know. Yeah, I, I love footage look like Cyclone Tracy or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I just love the fact that when the hikers realise, oh, crap, the storm is coming. However, if you are caught in a storm, do not seek shelter under precipitous cliffs. <laughs> you can find some shelter under that precipitous cliff there. <laughs> Just to find a way. Oh, my foot's going. I remember being fascinated by the concept of precipitous cliffs <laughs> for a long time after that. And so afterwards, uh, you know, Gramps, the kids, and Charlie hear the news report that the hikers are in danger. So Charlie picks up the scent. <laughs> with the, it's just him just laying there. Um, and 
then they take a shortcut. Um, now, I love the fact that Justin, because you don't really know the kids' names, do you? No, they don't really no. say them a lot. So we'll just go with his real name, Justin. Uh, tells Gramps, it's like, lucky you know the shortcuts. You know you know the mapping of it and still taking the highway. So they take a shortcut uh, from Gramps' farm to Rickety Bridge, Point Disaster, <laughs> Spooky Valley, Scary Cave, all the way to Mount Variable Weather. That's such a, a, a typical cost-cutting thing as well. All the fun stuff happens off-screen. That reminds me of, isn't there a mountain or uh, an area, I should say, in... It's either in Victoria or South Australia. Isn't there a Mount Disappointment? Yeah, it's in yeah. Victoria. What's disappointing about it? <laughs> yeah, interesting. I don't know. All the mountains in Victoria are disappointing. They're all just small, tiny little bumps on the landscape. Oh, roasted <laughs> by Tony. Like, go That's for it. That's true. Like that region. <laughs> Woo. People uh, go to the screw Yu you, tiny mountains. No. <laughs> the Yu Yangs look impressive from a long way away, and you get up close, and it's like a couple of anthills. <laughs> <laughs> Disappointing holidays are plenty. Jeez, oh. you can be my tour guide, Tony. Victoria's <laughs> better too you... good for too long. <laughs> people, people forget. We we all forget that when when we were young, there were no cheap flights, and it was really expensive to go anywhere decent. So you had to go to like you'd stay in a flag in, and your parents <laughs> would drive you around in their Corolla, and you'd go to disappointing tourist attractions for like several weeks on end, and that was your holiday. Brilliant. None of none of this flying off to the Gold Coast. Yeah. <laughs> if if you if there's no flag ins you go spend the extra five bucks to go to a best western <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. and you know, or you'd spend an- another 10 bucks to find someone with a swimming pool oh, yeah. yes mm. but i miss those breakfast survey sheets yeah. oh yeah the ones oh, yeah. at the door having the breakfast through the little flap in your in your hotel room oh. uh, and, and the, to- the toast <laughs> yeah, yeah the, so... the toast being served in like a paper bag for yeah, some reason what, the what was that about crazy luxurious holidays we just went <laughs> yeah. to like the pub you know and stayed <laughs> there, yeah. you know, oh, this <laughs> sort of seedy local pub oh good oh no there was one where um Family and I were doing a road trip, and I think it was down to Victoria, and we stayed in a regional hotel uh, upstairs, or a pub upstairs, and the guy goes, oh, that's all right, you can pay in the morning. And then when we were leaving, the whole office was closed, so we're going, um, <laughs> do, we, do we get this for free? Like, My dad was trying to call him and stuff like that, and no response or anything whatsoever, and there was no one around. So we felt like we are the only ones in the hotel pub area. So my dad's just gone, all right, well, here's a note. Just slide it under the door. Here's our contact details. We'll just go. So it was probably a ghost. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Did you turn around and the hotel was a burnt-out shell from the 1890s? <laughs> oh. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, sorry about show. that. Off tangent. Yeah, we realised limited time. Yeah. Now the rescue chopper can't land due to bad weather, so Charlie pulls the hikers out using the rope. Thank God for Charlie. Nice work, Charlie. All right, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just like Tony's little uh, talk uh, just outside of that, uh, saying that he hopes that uh, viewers remember Charlie come Loki voting time. 
<laughs> All right. After Charlie, we're straight to the stage, and Tony and Jace have letters coming in, and one from Kate Patterson from Cottesloe, WA. And I'll read the letter out for you. It's nothing fancy, but anyway, it's here. Dear Jason, we're big fans of The Late Show over here in Perth, but unfortunately don't get much information about you in the press. Could you possibly tell us a little bit about yourself? E.g., favourite holiday spot, favourite night sport, and favourite CD. Yours sincerely, Kate Patterson. So that looked like a genuine letter. (laughs) I doubt it. Oh, look, it's maybe. a very pissy question to ask, really. Yeah, I mean, who would do that? Who would write to them and go, what's your favourite CD? <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, I don't think any of them were real, but you never know. Well, I know one is real, uh, but I don't know which episode it is because a friend did write in and he said it did show up. So when we get to oh. that, I'll, I'll try and get yeah. you on the show. You're, Spoilers, you'll know it when you see it. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, Here's Kate some advanced sizzle for you, but I wrote into the late show and they read out my letter. So oh, I, I will be talking right. about that in, in ridiculous levels of detail when it eventually happens. I stand corrected then. So this actually did happen. So all yeah, these letters one I wrote, of them, I'm thinking, oh, man, one of them was real. <laughs> one of them was real and the rest were fake. Yeah. <laughs> But back to the letter, and so, but it's, it's a bit of a disappointing response now, anyway, because Jace does hold up a CD, Martin versus Betty, the best of Hey Dad. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so, hey, did, did, did anybody notice that the CD cover was signed by both people? <laughs> yes. Yes. By Robert Hughes and Julie McGregor. So that's that's either a collector's item or Exhibit B. <laughs> I hope there's a backstory of just finding a signed CD by Robert Hughes and um, Betty in like the salvos or something. <laughs> the the idea that they would one of the members of the Late Show would would line up at some kind of you know <laughs> department store signing <laughs> just horrifies me. <laughs> Oh, look, for, for my experience hanging around, you know, cash converters, there's a lot of signed material that I, I assume people like get signed as presents for someone else. And, you know, as soon as the birthday party's over, they're in the bin. <laughs> and they're like, oh, you shouldn't have. Yes. <laughs> I went, to all this, went to all this trouble to get this signed for you. It's like, oh, thank you. <laughs> I did get Brian Mannix to sign my copy of Houseboat Horror and sold it on eBay. <laughs> but it actually had my name in it. So whoever bought it, oh. unless they had the same name as me. So, <laughs> yeah. Did you did you get more or less for it with the Brian Mannix signature? I actually sold it for 50 bucks and I paid $10 well. for the movie. Score. Okay. Yeah. So well, I was uh, going to say, if anyone sees any unsigned copies of those books that I co-wrote, they're worth more than the signed copies. <laughs> we signed pretty much all of them. Can, can I just point out, Tony? They're, they're on the bookshelf up here, and they're not signed by you. So well, does, on, does that make on, them more valuable? Copies. They're more valuable. Where are they? They're, they're here somewhere. Would you like to plug those books, Tony? But they're, they're no longer available. There they are. Ah, that's 
that's your books, right? Let me just check that they're not signed. <laughs> definitely, definitely, un- that one's unsigned. Well, pop them in a jiffy bag and send them over to us. <laughs> I, I will. I'm going to post them to your house, Tony. Yeah. Look, it, frankly, it's not a problem. My signature is illegible and somewhat disappointing but i'll sign anything <laughs> so i could just i could just go like that on it and hey i've got a tony morris signed book well yeah and then you peel away the sticker at the top to reveal i've signed some kind of will or life insurance <laughs> <form>. <laughs> Alison, what are the titles of the books because if we can we might find them on ebay or the bargain bin <laughs> on the book depository sure, well sure, now that would also be available as ebooks wouldn't it um, I'm not sure. Uh, there was talk, but yeah, anything above and beyond an actual book costs more money. So, like, there's no audio book version. Um, I think they're ebook. They're, they were at least available as ebooks at one point. Alison, what, what was the book titles? So the first one is. Uh, 2017's The Hot Guy, which Luke Hemsworth says, if I <laughs> if I was made to read one book for eternity, it would be Lord of the Rings. This would be my second choice. So that's, that's what Luke Hemsworth has to say Hemsworth. about The Hot Guy. That was a really good quote. That shifted yeah. a lot of units. <laughs> well, I, I bought this at full price in Adelaide's Dimmicks in 2017. So yeah, Thank you, you, won't, you won't be a pint. Um, and then, of course, there is 2019. <laughs> nailed it exclamation mark and is there okay we've got rosie waterland has done a quote um hilarious clever and very very revealing nailed it is the book every reality tv fan should read and every reality tv producer should be afraid of (laughs) if only they did read we might have made a profit on that one Well, there you go. If you end up fighting those books or you got a copy, tweet us at TLS Champagne and just show Tony that there is some love out there. Don't send us the disappointed Goodreads reviews. We don't need to see them again. <laughs> I, I got my letter pr- or my interview printed in the Mark Malloy comic book. <laughs> That's the real claim to fame. Christ, I, I need to. I need to. Does, does my Twitter feed count as, as a. a <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm feeling a bit left out here. You'll be fine. You're published on ChampagneComedy.com because your review of Season 2, Episode 5 is one of the most clicked reviews. Wow, and I think that's the only one I put up and I was going to, you know, well, it's like everything I start just about except for this podcast. It's all been, you know, going to do this, going to do that, and I never get around to it. Uh, welcome <laughs> to the club, mate. And speaking of which, uh, about never getting around to it, the whole punchline with Martin versus Betty, the best of pay that is that <laughs> Mick and Jace do karaoke to the spoken word album. With, with wig and glasses, by the way, which is yeah. which is that's a lovely thing to see. Mick wearing the Betty wig and Jason wearing the Mr. Kelly glasses. Yeah. yeah and yeah. Uh, and it, all, it all takes place in the same uh, karaoke uh, parlour as uh, we saw in Oriental Shit Scare. Yeah. Yes. And the, the smoking pregnant lady, which I didn't notice. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> it out. She doesn't appear in this, alas. No. no. Now, Tony goes to his letter, which uh, is from the Liquor Advisory Council. Now, I did pause and have a read of it, and it's actually quite a serious letter. So, um, talking about driving statistics, drink driving statistics, that is, and how the late show can help. Uh, and so the ABC had offered Nolan Donoha, and but Tony went with Mick instead as the drunken guinea pig for this next bit. Playing against stereotype here. Yes. <laughs> so um, 
basically it's all about trying to lower the drink driving statistics and so testing includes the study of speech patterns you know the breathalyzer thing that that they use right in in this sketch there was one of those in the student bar when i was at university right did did anyone else have this in their student bar or remember yeah yeah I just remember we we got really drunk one night in the student bar and we we had a competition to see how how high we could get the breathalyzer to go. <laughs> <laughs> so we weren't driving home by the way so it was it was totally fine and we just drank a lot in quick succession and we got it to like you know you're you're clinically dead type <laughs> <levels. Yeah. laughs> So that, that that was a fun kind of 90s hobby. You got high score. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it doesn't. It doesn't actually say you're clinically dead, but basically you're about three times over the driving limit, and you think, yeah, well, that's probably not where I should be. But anyway, <laughs> you're 18, so hey, whatever. <laughs> Supposedly, the trick to re- to getting the high score in those machines was to keep some alcohol in your mouth when you breathe back in. <laughs> Because I remember there was a friend of mine on one tried it, and it was like some crazy level. It was like you know you're 12 percentage points over or whatever and everyone was yeah. like oh what's going on and it turned out he hadn't finished his drink he just kind of <laughs> and then breathed it was still it. there oh. yeah, the alcohol had just gone straight into the machine so yeah, yeah that was the the trick for high score wow i always assumed those machines were about as accurate as the rate your passion machine yeah <laughs> that's, that's what they compared it to so yeah mick lucky you didn't get it mixed up but then it probably wouldn't have made much of a difference if you did so other things uh to test out uh were the breath tester not the love tester also reading a dr seuss book fox in socks very hard to read that book and to pronounce it two certain names rebecca emma Loglu. <laughs> now this one natalie imbruglia Faster, Emma Logalu in Emma Blue. Oh, stop it! Would you? <laughs> and also, to the final one is to unlock the car with a VHS embedded within the door, where you have to program. Ah, That's damn it! You beat me to it. Oh, I'm glad that all of you were. It does. He does say VHS. Tony says VHS, but yeah. then pedantry. It's a Betamax. <laughs> <laughs> How dare Tony screw that up? Yeah. He'd be he'd have been kicking himself afterwards though. Yeah. Maybe he's just been waiting all these years for someone to point it out to him. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but I do love uh Mick's inside joke with himself and <laughs> Tony taking it one step too far. Oh damn, I've taken the comedy company. Oh, I don't know, it's enough of that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, let's just it wasn't one of the episodes you wrote, Mickey. But uh, <laughs> hang on a second. Hey, hey, Hang on, so the comedy company had ended by this point. Were they repeating episodes of the comedy company at this time? No, uh, I, I can I, I can tell you that that they were um, again. This is just going through uh, at the moment. I'm, I'm up to late July looking through old uh, editions of the Green Guide. But Channel Ten were replaying episodes around eleven o'clock at night. Um, it was pretty good you, acting by Mick that, in this whole section. I thought. So I love the bit where he grabbed the um, the change out of his pants. Just that sort of <laughs> classic physical comedy. <laughs> I think I think the, the 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 bit I like again it's it's a bit of improvisation is um, 
uh, Mick um, stabbing himself in the eye with the, the straw, trying to get it into the uh, breath tester, and, uh, and 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 Tony replying, "He's done it, Curly. May he rest in peace." <laughs> now we're up to the toilet break. Now this one's a bit of a special one, not one of the regulars, because unfortunately there is no Bernard King reveal mm, at the end. So it's going to screw you up. But you do get to see Judas the workings. King. You, right. you do get to see the workings of potluck and and what actually happens when someone gets called out the audience. Yeah. So that that's mm. quite interesting. Mm. And we have <clears throat> Act One: Kim Wilson, yes, the Kim Wilson, singing "Holding Out for a Hero." <laughs> That's the worst best ballet I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I mean, she's better than Krista Kroll, but <laughs> but she she's sort of still kind of out of tune. Yeah, there's there's quite a few audible groans and kind of shrieks from the audience at, during particular notes. <laughs> so I was like, oh, yeah. I have really a confession to make. I actually don't know Kim Wilson. Like, what was she in? Oh, she was in uh, um, Brides of Christ, Christ and, and a country practice. And oh, yeah. She was for going out with Jeremy Sims of Chance's fame. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and she, she got famous for Brides of Christ, though, which had, which had been on the previous year. And then she went yeah. into a country practice. Mm-hmm. And she was also yeah. having an affair with Michael Hutchins just before he passed away. Yes. So there was yes a, she, did. Oh, wow. she was one of the last people to see him. And, and yeah, I think as, all as, the publicity, she f- moved to LA or somewhere in America to escape all of the negative publicity. I, I am going to squeeze this in. <laughs> little from yeah. column A, little from column B. <laughs> I, I, I think the best bit of this, though, is is where we see her come out of the audience and hand over her music. You know, it's like an envelope with the with the sheet music in it, which presumably goes off to the band. That yeah. that's that's, that's that almost like my favourite bit it? of this. Oh, yeah. So that means- oh, oh, it's absolute bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <I> <laughs> I had to double check that the the guy behind her was not Todd Rickson who pulled a hammy, completely different <laughs> outfit. But yeah, I just had to had to freeze frame oh, and have a look and see it. who those acts were. <laughs> so yeah, while they wrapped up the toilet break, now you know what it's going to screw up your scores, Daniel. Okay, well, well, because like I I actually was thinking about something similar. I was thinking about much later on, maybe closer to May when actual Eurovision is. But yeah, trying to enlist a whole bunch of people to sort of do Eurovision jury style like a ranking of the 20 or so acts from the whole series um but I mean that's sort of an idea I was thinking for much later on so well we could always towards the end of it uh add up all the scores and get the average and then spread the average out to all the ones who don't get scores I don't know how we would do that to be honest but yeah there's um yeah there's there's no score from from Bernard uh this episode apparently because he was too complimentary about her oh so yeah, there's, that there's would have no, been gross. Yeah, so there's there's no there's no change to the leaderboard. If you want to know what the leaderboard is, listen to the last episode. I'm not your mum. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, straight after the toilet break, Kim's biggest fan, Judith. 
That's a little bit to say. That was this commercial. See the commercial on YouTube with all the Australian mm. stars at the time. <laughs> yeah, when I clicked on that ad, wasn't it? I mm. mean, who gives a shit about celebrities going hit me, hit me? I mean, they're chips. They're <laughs> 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 kids and parties. Like, I'm outraged. Well, I, I went to to look up the ad and I had to click a link on YouTube saying I am over eighteen. Is Jeremy Sims' ass in it? <laughs> you know, that's where Judith goes on a rant about all that stuff in regards to all the TV week. But yeah, Judith basically uh, saying that apparently we just don't see enough of her. And, uh, and yeah, sort of uh, going through uh, her, well, immortal line, some may say catchphrase, who gives a shit? Yeah. <laughs> Who gives a shit? I've, I've got a, a TV week here from 1995. I don't have many TV weeks, but this one's from 1995, and she's in this one. So, like, <laughs> two years later, there's this whole article about her and Gary, Gary Sweet. I've always gone after deranged men. We managed to find all the covers of TV week thanks to Chris Keating on the TV week appreciation page. So, you got one, two, three. Yeah. Uh, there's enough. They're all the ones that um, Judith shows. Well, TV Week had a much more entertaining approach to headlines then than it does now. I mean, I was jailed for dealing cocaine or whatever is not what they're putting on the covers in 2021. What are they putting on the covers now? I don't know. Comfy home, bed. It's home and away. It's always home and away. Yeah. <laughs> I like this one where he, in this front cover, in the fine print down the bottom, we got here hot pinups of Jeremy Jordan, Dieter Brummer, and Matt Doran. <laughs> got the offspring in this one here. <laughs> <laughs> That's not good at all. <laughs> I like I like the bit where she's where Judah says, "Oh my bleeding heart." Yeah. <laughs> that, oh, yeah. That's, that's another sister. one. Yeah. Oh, hold on. Where we go? Uh, yeah, thrown out of Indonesia. That's the one there. Yeah, quite interesting. Fair enough. If I was Indonesia, you know, what would I do? Yeah, like, oh. work Indonesia. Yeah. And, and you know what? In that same issue, you can see Tony Perrin as you've never seen her, and it's just her done up. Entertaining like... people. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. that's a goodies joke. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, it also turns up later on in the late show as well, which is why I remember that uh, that uh, punchline. When, when, whenever I uh, hear somebody saying, like you've never seen them before, entertaining yeah. people. <laughs> <laughs> I do like this one, though. That's the sister act one with Kathy Godbold. And down the bottom, or in the corner, it says, at last, bananas in pyjamas pin up. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and here we go. This one, the one with her and Jeremy Sims on the cover, it says, Logie's Fallout, Visard answers the critics. Ooh. What, what was the fallout? Oh, I don't know, but on the other side of the page of the front cover, it says exclusive two chances stars are out. So you can find out who is out if you get into the... <laughs> Chances box set competition. Yep. Anyway, is that out as in fired or out as in gay? Oh, Which one is it? Would be probably uh, fired. 
inspired, yeah. So I'll share those front covers later on Twitter. If you dare want to dirty your cash on your your phone. (laughs) Who gives a shit? (laughs) Yeah. Who gives a shit? Um, I think what I like about uh, this little Judith bit is that it starts with her saying, um, you know, that uh, it's it's not it's nothing like Mick's rants because that might be Mick's idea of comedy, but it's not mine. And then it ends with uh, the uh, fire extinguishers. Mm. Yeah, just mm. like me. Right now, we've got a commercial, and it's cost plus shoddy merchandise at inflated prices. I love this one. I'm a big fan of the the outfits that um, Tom and Jane are wearing. The wig that Jane's got <laughs> yeah. on. It's just incredible, and also. Um, Rob spit with it. <laughs> that really is poor value. <laughs> I got back far less than I thought. That really is poor value. Yeah, I love that. I, I think these are the piss takes of the commercial. I don't know if it was elsewhere around, or obviously it would be in Victoria because they're doing this, but wasn't there a place called Food Plus? Yeah. Food Plus, the was. store yeah. with more, which was like, I guess, a road pantry type petrol station thing yeah and they were always a little bit more expensive than your supermarket yeah. prices because where else are you going to go at 11 o'clock at night yeah yeah mm-hmm. it was kind of before Seven Eleven had really taken off yeah, see, yeah. This, you know, this all is these the, little randoms yeah see this is the thing as we we're talking about the miracle things earlier with the jingles i remember the jingle for food plus yeah, food <laughs> plus the store with more you got the right stuff anyway <laughs> Keep going, man. Yeah, and, but it's just all these harmonies of uh, female singers, and then it ends with Food Plus, the store with more. That's it. See, we didn't have Food Plus in Adelaide, so this this is really exciting to hear. They just had regular food in Adelaide. They couldn't afford. We we food just plus. we had Foodland, the Mighty South Aussies, which was just a oh. regular supermarket. And wasn't it Victoria only, or was it Adelaide as well? You had Tucker Bag. Oh yeah, we didn't have no Tucker Bag in in oh. South Australia. Oh really? Oh, I only knew that because of yeah, no Tucker Bag. That's that's sad. We had we, we had uh, we had Tom's supermarkets. Uh-huh. Yes, and we had um, pump up the volume, pump up the value. Check it out, to see foods. Amazing. So, if you look up Food Plus, you do find an article from a few years ago, just uh, called from a website called Waking Up in Geelong. Anyway, he talks about food food plus convenience stores and how they arrived in 1970s, and it was when supermarkets had restrictive trading hours, so you had to, you know, if you wanted something in an emergency, that's where you went. So they had a distinctive architecture: a long glass window facing the car park, flanked by brown brick walls, topped by a terracotta tiled roof and a big food plus sign above the door so it, it talks about that and it has some photographs as well of food plus and there's an ad from 1983 food plus stores which which looks somewhat similar to uh <laughs> to this i can see from the thumbnail but uh yeah we can share that link later it is too. i just found it as well and yeah mm-hmm. spot on wow see here I am imagining a lot of the stuff but no it's legit so it, it I'm not did crazy. happen it did happen <laughs> that really is poor value so basically every corner milk bar would always, you know, price up the packet of Kingston's for $35.63. So. Well, not just that. It's it's like uh, other than Food Plus, there was also, and getting a kick out of it because of Bill and Ted movie, which we had Circle K as well. But that only lasted oh, a couple of years. Let's go down to Circle K. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine, mate. Oh. 
No Circle K in Adelaide. Uh. Just just reminding you all that I grew up somewhere crap. <laughs> <laughs> now we're down to Graham and the Colonel, and they perform their theme song, Unplugged. Daniel, do you know the... Uh, well, uh, Light and Tuneful. Keith Mansfield, yes. <laughs> yeah. Probably. And, uh, yeah, it's a, it's, a good, it's a good performance that um, uh, Graham and the Colonel put in, uh, especially using the thermoses as uh, slide guitar sort of thing. <laughs> and, and chucking the sheet music behind them, of course. <laughs> yeah, that's as the they go. <laughs> Yeah. And did you notice uh, someone in the background of that sketch? In the audience. Oh no! Yeah, yeah. It was a blink and yeah. miss it moment. It was Alf Camilleri. Mm. Oh, no. oh, uh, the numbers. Does that, Does this mean he would have been in the the earlier unplugged thing? Not, not sure. sure. It was the same set, wasn't it? It was the same so. set and audience for both. Get, 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 getting a bit of value, uh, value out of it, yeah. And he's cracking mm-hmm. a smile. So I think <laughs> he's either smile, he's happy, or he's laughing at it. So. Uh, yeah, have a look again. He's smack bang in the middle up the back. Um, so, yeah, they do their rendition of Unplugged. Uh, that really is poor value again. Um, <laughs> but I also talk, they talk about their other album, Booze, Ballads and Broads. <laughs> <laughs> Rolf Harris cover songs. Yeah. You can and all the cute it. little rabbit. Yeah, the cute appearance. little rabbit. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, rabbit Aww. left over from the uh, Catholic... Catholic sketch, yeah, the McKillop sketch. Yeah, they've got in the in the entry, and they've got a piece of lettuce for the rabbit, and then the rabbit looks like it's going to jump out of the entry, so they have to give it over to Annie Marver, I think, to yeah. get rid of it. But and yeah. if you really look closely, you can see that the rabbit did some little poos. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, yeah. That's what rabbits do. <laughs> and the rabbit was never seen again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then next, they talk about Wimbledon. Commiserations to young Czech. Jana Yevotna. Yeah, Jana, Jana Yevotna. Uh, she's won a lot of money, but her accountants in Prague will be happy. The H&R block off. <laughs> 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 they, they do enjoy a good old H&R block joke. It's not the first time they've done that. <laughs> Who doesn't? Mm. But the Tour de France, uh, Colonel wasn't good enough to make the grade because the basket had slowed him down. When racing bikes go mm. past, they mm. go whizz. Right, and when you went past, you just heard. <laughs> and I was delivering papers, though. Also, uh, in the cricket, umpire's decision—they couldn't work out the signals. It looks like they were giving the finger and pointing. You know, it was that was more visual than anything else. Yeah, my mum said never point. That that was the line, wasn't it? it was the mm-hmm. joke with the umpire pointing and? Yeah, never point because you poke holes in the sky and fairies fall out. <laughs> no. Uh... <laughs> Okay. My mum never said that, but Did I okay. reveal too yeah. much? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then they talk about the 96 Olympics, the new sponsor on board that um, Atlanta had signed up, which was Xerox. And Graham and the Colonel described that if Melbourne had the 96 Olympics, <laughs> they'd sign up Mr. Muffler, Windscreens O'Brien, <laughs> San Remo <laughs> Liquor Store, <laughs> the boys from Alcan. We are the boys from Alcan. What can we do for you? Yeah, we are we the are boys the from Alcan. Uh, and the guys from Carpet Call as well, who bring in the flag. 
<laughs> and the 100 meter <laughs> dash. Just visualize it. Yeah. <laughs> the 100 meter dash in Crosby slippers. <laughs> Leisure mutual pool in synchronized swimming. I'm guessing that was a, uh, a pool company down south. Uh, New South Wales, I know, had Blue Haven pools. The elephants. All right. Uh, and the G7 meeting broken up in Japan. Australia's in the F7, which Graham would like to point out. Then the colonel does describe uh, everyone in it, which pretty much comes down to the F troop. <laughs> yeah, they love their F troop. Like, I don't know about you guys, but I remember F troop being on like Saturday afternoons or something and just the joke was completely over my head. I just didn't get that show. <laughs> the F7 is comprised of Australia, Armenia, Tonga, <laughs> Zambia, mm-hmm. the Honduras, mm-hmm. Albania, and, of course, Chad. Well, so what, they get together and they uh, they have discussions, do they? Is that no, no, they... no, no, not so much discussions. There's more celebration <laughs> with their hands in their heads saying, what the F are Tonga. we going to do? <laughs> and, of course, Chad. They yep. love their Chad jokes as well. <laughs> Well, they do describe uh, the, when the, they show footage of the people in the G7. See that? See the picture of the, the G7, right? I reckon three of those members are part of the Seven Dwarfs. This it is. There's Froggy, right? And then there's, and then it's Squinty. <laughs> and then there's, there's Snow White. <laughs> and the, the last one. <laughs> Actually, um, that was longer than cheese. Oh. <laughs> Does that taste good? It's probably got poison in it. <laughs> let's, let's sign off. Tony was just priceless handing him the champagne bottle and glass. The flute. I, I often wondered why it wasn't um, Tommy G who was handing over the, the champagne there because that would have been appropriate to kind of give it back to Rob, you know. <laughs> I think it was just an off-the-cuff thing, actually. Yeah. That's the impression I got. I just love the fact that uh, Graham just completely lost it with Snow White. <laughs> we have closing time, and Tony can't rely on Mick anymore for the musical finale, so he turns to Graham and the Colonel to deliver. Didn't they deliver? <laughs> Did they? One of the incredible ones. <laughs> All right, well, yeah. this is what they did. Please welcome Vangelis, the uh, is that, composer. Is that how, is that how you Charity. say his first name? Is that how you say his first name? Because we know him as Lester. Lester Ellis. <laughs> we, 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 we call the him the boxer Lester Ellis. Yeah, Lester Ellis. The Australian boxer, Lester Ellis. Okay, then, live from the Melbourne Concert Hall, it's Lester Ellis. With, with a theme from Chariots of Fire. We, we won't play the audio. Right? No, well, uh, that's probably for the best because, um, yeah, this is one of the musical finales which for obvious reasons, didn't even make it into the uh, montage of all of these uh, at the end of Volume 3 of the best bits. And that's that. That's pretty much because, well, it's the original song by Vangelis, which yeah. it's, te- it's technically called Titles, if you're looking for it in Spotify. It's not called Chariots of Fire, oh, it's called Titles. All good. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's just, it's Lester uh, doing some very pissy-looking uh, miming of piano playing to the, the know, original that's track. that's the most jarring thing about it is that, you know, he's clearly dancing his fingers on top of the piano. And I don't know whether it's because he's using a, a grand that has to sit in the concert hall and they probably told him not to bang on it, you know. But it just looks terrible. Like, that kind of ruins it. Like, yeah, even uh, uh, Mr. Even Mr. Bean did a better job at the uh, London Olympics <laughs> where he just had the first one. <laughs> well, when they brought him out, I thought the joke was going to be that he had boxing gloves on 
and was going to be playing the piano with that. And then, no, not that joke. Uh, (laughs) There was a a, a whole bunch of other boxing tropes in it to to make up for it, though. Mm. Yeah, we we had was it? It looked like Ken Bruce's sister Madonna as the ring. <laughs> I, I don't know if that actually was Ken Bruce's Madonna, but it certainly looked know, a bit it like quick. it. Quick, it wasn't Jane, but I thought maybe it is Jane. I don't know. It was someone mm. with a wig on. We've got the closing credits, and out come Jane again and Judith with bad wigs, which is pretty much their. Thelma and Louise all over again. And there's a reference yeah. to the car that's on the set, so the Dukes of Hazard car is there to pick them up, and and off <laughs> they go once they've done the ticket plug. Now, Daniel, wasn't there any credit uh, Easter eggs? Again, nothing there, just uh, the special guests, uh, which were Lester Ellis, Edwin Marr, and Charles Bartingwell, uh, with Daryl Keeley, the Pissweek Kids, Annie Marva, um, who's usually listed as the second assistant director, but... I think that might have been her and Charlie the Wonder Dog. I'm not sure. Yeah, she w- she was the hiker, the lady hiker. Yeah, yeah with uh, with James Wright, uh, as well as Cooney Thompson, uh, Kazuhiko Vida, and Myrtle Woods. Well, that pretty much wraps up season two, episode six of the Late Show, as Woo! well as this podcast. Woo! Yes, episode twenty six, <laughs> the Champagne Comedy Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Reach out to us, email champagnelateshow at gmail.com, Twitter at TLS Champagne, the site champagnecomedy.com, and look for all the competition details there for the podcast. Uh, Facebook, the Late Show, the page, um, you'll see the Champagne Comedy icon there, or search the Champagne Comedy Podcast group on Facebook. It's on private, but answer three questions and you're in. Redbubble, bit.ly slash champagne comedy, as well as enter our competitions because they're closing soon uh, by October 31st. All the details are there. So you got Chances Collection 1 DVD or you got the Champagne Comedy pins and sticker sets. So please enter those because so far the people who have entered, they've got a good chance of winning right now. That's all I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> and I know how many people download this show, so it's like you're all liars right now for not entering. <laughs> Thank you very much, Alison, Daniel, Kim, Prue, and Tony. And thank you so much for listening. I'm Matt, and I'll catch you at next episode. See ya. Thank you for listening to the Champagne Comedy Podcast, created by fans for the fans. For more information on this podcast, please visit champagnecomedy.com. Produced by Matt Fulton Productions, mattfulton.com.au. 